Hello and welcome to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. This is Alex Knight and I am joined by Lean Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In season two, episode 26, Hollywood Gem, part one for your consideration. Jem is nominated for the Best Actress Oscar while her sister Kimber becomes involved in a wild love triangle. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime synergy. Episode 52, written by Roger Sliffer, returning writer, actually. Boy, this is one big soap opera episode, is it not? Yes, it is. That's one way to describe it, definitely. <laughs> it's interesting because there's no, there's no misfits. All the drama here is driven by the holograms, the various holograms. So that's kind of interesting. It is interesting. I actually like that they kind of take a break from the misfits, the same old thing with them doing their thing every single episode. So it's kind of nice. I agree. Well, this week we open with Jim and the holograms anxiously awaiting the results of the latest Oscar awards. Jim is nominated for Best Actress. Yeah, right. <laughs> How? You know what? I, like, I don't like how Jem is the best at everything. Like, this is so far-fetched. Right? She's done one movie with zero training, and she's suddenly up for an Oscar? It's I mean... Ridiculous. And it's also hilarious because, I mean, arguably, we could talk about... Starbright may have been a really great movie. We didn't get to see all of it. There was a lot of drama surrounding the actual filming of it that sort of detracted from whether or not Jim was actually doing a good job. But like thinking about it in context of other musical stars who have gone and made movies, I'm thinking about Prince. I'm thinking about uh, Eminem. I'm even thinking about Madonna. And Madonna, I remember, was, was desperately seeking Susan her first movie. I feel like it was. She got a lot of critical praise for Desperately Seeking Susan. She wasn't even the star of that movie. Uh, what's her name? Arquette. I don't think it was Rosanna, but it was one of the Arquette sisters was the star of that movie. Nobody remembers her in that movie, but everybody remembers Madonna. Yeah. So I feel like maybe it could be that, you know, Jem pulled a Madonna where, you know, her heretofore unknown acting skills like burst out of her forehead fully formed or whatever. But I also think about it in terms of the fact that like with, with Prince and with Eminem, both of them, everybody praised the movies that they were in eight mile and purple rain, but also they were like, but they were kind of playing themselves and come on, let's be honest. Jim was just basically playing herself in Starbright. Yeah. That movie didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I remember all three of us, arguing about like what is this movie about like suddenly there are pirates in it like what is going on right <laughs> it was some sort of love story about a sensitive young man being tamed by a woman i think but yes there were also pirates and some sort of i i can't even remember yeah, yeah it, there was that movie was kind of a mess it seemed We'll get into it, but this Howard Sands movie i think makes a little more sense but it is pretty silly i mean the thought police are in it Look, it's a sci-fi epic. <laughs> On the Harriet Horn show, Jim joins Sigourney Reaver, Meryl Saint, and Geraldine Pathos. 
these people and these fake names. Larry. Oh, God. When Harriet. Who's Co- Geraldine Pathos I supposed to be? I That's a good question. I think that she was just some made up old actress lady. Okay. I don't think that she's supposed to be a direct analog to anybody. That's what I, I was like. Either I'm forgetting some 80s actresses, which is entirely possible, or. This is a made-up character. Yeah, the first two are pretty obvious. Obviously, Sigourney Reaver's Sigourney Weaver. Meryl Sane is Meryl Streep. When Harriet questions Jem's unusual candidacy for an Oscar, Jem seems taken aback. After all, Jem is known for her music, not her acting, and it is her first film. After finding out Jem has had no formal acting training, Geraldine flips out and refuses to share an interview with Jem, who clearly joined the film industry for frivolous reasons. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver has her back, though, and says that she has as much of a right to share the stage with anyone else, which I liked, but it seemed out of place. Like, why is she flipping out about this? Like, it just seems so unnecessary. It does, actually. I, I also even as a kid was like, why is this lady having this moment? Because there have been times when people who had done their first movie got nominated for an Oscar and nobody was like stomping out of interviews about it. I mean, I I don't know what to say. It's a little weird, but I guess they needed some kind of background drama for Kimber's drama. You didn't have an acting coach. Right. Like, also, what kind of question is that to ask in the middle of the Harriet Horn show? Which, by the way, that yeah. was the shortest interview ever. Because Harriet was like, I'm going to ask one question. Now they're fighting. Oh, that's all for us. So I was like, um. <laughs> yeah, okay. Harriet? Yeah, well, they they did that because they needed to cut to an advertisement from Cool Trash Magazine, who I think is supporting the show and sponsors in some fashion. But the ad ends up pitting Jem up against Geraldine. And we see that J- Jerrica is com- furious about this because apparently this ad is played like 20 times a day. Or that's what she well, said. It's what she deserves. By the way, remember the last time we saw Cool Trash Magazine? Uh, vaguely. I mean, I do remember them making an appearance on an episode. I don't remember what that was. It was the last Kimber and Sean episode, actually, ah. when the, during the, the roller skating incident. It was Cool Trash magazine that published Kimber's diary. That's right. The Countess Duvoisin shows up at Starlight Mansion and asks her to get Jem's help because Howard Sands is in trouble. On the Hollywood backlot, Howard Sands is seen arguing with movie star Charisse, who refuses to share the set with a TV and we get to see on the TV set a very much a Max Headroom style character who oddly enough looks like Sean. It's really weird. Oddly it sounds enough. like him too. It sounds <laughs> you know like what I him. Find looks like really him. interesting about this this weird thing that's happening is this actress is very upset that she has to act with this Max Headroom television character, right? Did she not read the script? I mean, yeah, I also wondered. Here's the thing. When you sign up to be in a movie, there are like 12,000 people who are involved in that process of signing you up for that movie. You, your agent, your manager, the people from the studio, the director, probably the makeup artist. I don't know. But there's a lot of people. And it just seems like 
somebody should have told this poor woman what this movie was about before she showed up. Yeah. Day one, because that's it seems like she literally did not know what was happening in this movie until she showed up on day one. Well, I mean, she's a hack and clearly not long for this world, because in the next scene here, the Countess suggests Jim should replace Charisse and Howard is very receptive to the idea. Now, Jim, I guess, is tentatively accepting so long as she can get a copy of the script and See? read it first. That's what you do. Yeah. She read it awfully fast. She must have taken like one of those speed oh, yeah. classes. Yeah, she does That's read true. it fast. She now, reads it like in 10 seconds. This next part is hilarious because from behind the TV, Kimber's old boyfriend, Sean, pops out. And of course, they're very pleased to see each other. So this, to me, makes what happened moments ago seem all the more absurd. This actress is having a tantrum about refusing to share the set with the TV, knowing that there is a human being behind there. Give me a break. I don't think she cares. I mean, I don't think that it's necessarily that it's about the TV. I think that she was just basically not expecting to be acting in a sci science fiction well, movie. She's which, clearly again, not professional she because she didn't read the script. She doesn't know what she right. She hasn't rehearsed. She doesn't know what's going on in the scene. I mean, it's, it's just so unrealistic. I mean, who show, how do you it's show true. up the set not knowing what to do? I mean, it yeah, doesn't happen. It's terrible. It's terrible. No wonder Howard Sands is having problems. Who hired this girl? Who hired her? Yeah. Well, Aline, I think you mentioned about Jim being able to speed read this script, or uh, otherwise, maybe the script is like two pages, because Jim says, you know, this script is terrific, Howard, I'll do it. And this is like 30 seconds later. Yeah. I mean, I know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Maybe but, there's know. a time lapse here. I don't know. Well, time does stand still when Kimber and Sean see each other. I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I like what happens next. After Jem reads the script, Kimber says, Jem, are you sure about this? What will the critics say? And the reporters. And Jem says, who cares, Kimber? I can't leave my life wondering what other people might say. I've got to do what I think is right. And frankly, I can't wait to get started. I really like that. I did too, but I, I didn't understand exactly what Kimber thought the press people were going to say. Like, actress gets nominated for Oscar, someone decides to put her in another movie because Oscar-nominated actresses bring people to movie theaters. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> what, the, what she was afraid of exactly. Yeah, Aline, did you have any thoughts about that? Like, what what was going on in Kimber? Like, where Kimber was going with that? I I think Kimber just doesn't always think things through. <laughs> well, that's another statement. She, yeah, I mean, she's yeah, eighteen, I, right? I mean, yeah, and this is something that that'll come up later. Like, I just I think that she's just young and innocent and doesn't, you know, like she's a dreamer and a songwriter and you know, does her own thing and sometimes ridiculous words come out. Yeah, good good point, yeah. I, you know, uh, 
I know they're all young and I know Kimber is the youngest, but oftentimes I find myself when, when we're doing this podcast, I keep forgetting about how young and inexperienced and occasionally childish she is just because of her age. And it's hard to tell sometimes because this is an animated show and it's hard to tell how old someone they is. They all look the always, same age, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, I don't think they didn't do a, a particularly great job of really being able to differentiate the, the ages of the characters. I mean, I think Shayna and Aja maybe look a little older than the other characters marginally. Maybe that's their hairdo. I don't know. But yeah, I, I find myself always reminding myself that, yeah, she is really young and sometimes she's just going to do things that are just childish. Well, we get the first music video for this episode called Hollywood Gem, which I know is all of your favorite songs, right? Uh, so I'm all for having self-confidence, but, but I don't, the song was a little bit much. Like already we have like this precedent of Jim being amazing. And then we have the precedent in this episode of her like, being a newbie actress uh, being nominated for an Oscar which is also great and then she sings her own accolades and I just yeah sure yeah that's kind of where I'm at also none of the things in this song make a lot of sense it's like there she is looking at the horse races and there she I'm like what and she's talking right. about herself which is weird in the third right. person like look at Jim Hollywood Jim so yeah. stylish and hip well that that I don't think is that's not what bothers me about it it's mostly just that all of these things that she's supposedly doing as Hollywood Jim are all, most of them are things that she could have done anyway I mean she lives in LA she lives in fake LA they live in fake LA and they're they could go to Rodeo Drive when they want, and I, I guess Beverly Hills is kind of exclusive to them. But I, they live in a mansion. It, why isn't that mansion in Beverly Hills? Quite honestly, I mean, I just it, I wonder too. I think they're they're making sort of a big deal out of this, as if Jem was like coming from Iowa or something. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, now she's gone Hollywood. Like all right, whatever. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before, but I mean, I, I, I thought that the like Starlight Mansion is in Los Angeles somewhere. I mean, obviously, it's not in the Hollywood Hills. It's not in the the most rich, you know, wealthy area. But still, uh, it's it's a big it's mansion. It's right next door to the Countess's oh, mansion. I guess you're right. I guess it is in a ritzy area. It's in some ritzy area, but it's a ritzy area that's served by the public bus. So sure. it can't be that ritzy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, this video and song is kind of silly, but I think going back and looking at the, or just listening to the lyrics, it seems like the this song doesn't really have to make much sense in the context of this episode because it seems like they wrote this song for the toy line like it really seems like a toy commercial song like you know i'm just imagining kids playing with the dolls and the song in the background you know jam look at hollywood jam she's so stylish and hip as they you know showcase the the clothes that you, you know on all the different um accessories you can get for the dolls so it's just i mean this again this show is very much like transformers and all the other cartoons of an 80s it just it's a means to an end of promoting the toy line 
That's true. But every time they were like, hey, she's stylish and hip. And hey, she's going to Beverly Hills. I'm like, not in that outfit. That is one of the most terrible outfits Jem owns. That weird outfit where she has like the blue corset and the yellow jacket and the red pants. But it's Ugh. also a turtleneck. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's bad. It's, it's bad. Like, it's, it's very that weird. outfit is terrible. And I'm like, please tell me you're not going to Beverly Hills in that outfit. Please tell me you're not walking down Rodeo driving that outfit. I wonder if they sold dolls with that outfit on. Hmm. Yeah. I think they should have changed the lyrics slightly to be something like, you know, there's gem Hollywood gem so stylish and hip if you if your budget is less than a hundred dollars and you can only shop at a thrift store a thrift store <laughs> after wrapping the movie for the day gem receives a telegram which by the way was that a thing in the 80s telegrams I mean according to TV it was <laughs> okay she receives a telegram from Francois Truget who invites the band to a party at his mansion. Oh, and I should mention, he is a famous director. So famous sure. he's never come up before. Right. Well, you know, you don't talk about famous directors ever. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm not sure about being super famous, but at the party, Francois greets Jem and kisses her on the cheek. And of course, Rio's standing right next to her and makes a comment that the French always overdo it. And this perplexes me because he says this right in front of Francois for some reason. Well, that's because he has no sense of decorum. Uh, yeah. And also is kind of a jerk face um, and is jealous of this like man who is old enough to be gems. Right. I don't know, at least father, which, you know, it's not unheard of for May, December relationships to occur, but Get a grip. Yeah, it's more of Rio being the same old Rio. I mean, he should realize that the, the Europeans are different. Kiss on the cheek is, is pretty oh normal. God, Rio is just the worst. <laughs> you sound like you are currently facepalmed, Tempest. Uh, I've never heard that. Where I'm at. Yeah. Never heard Tempest say Rio's the worst. Never. <laughs> Francois begins to belittle. Howard Sands's work and tells Jem that if she wants the account, should appear in one of his films. Jem is honored, but tells Francois that she must finish the current picture she's working on first. Boy, that does not make him happy. What a colossal jerk face. He is a colossal jerk face. And, and it's interesting because he's not really so much of a jerk for saying like, oh, Howard Sands pictures, they're so popular. And if you want to be taken seriously, you have to be in one of my films. Because quite honestly, that that's kind of true. I mean, you know, the, the Academy does sometimes award Best Actress Oscars to people who've only ever been in one movie. Um, but very often you have these people who are nominated time and time again, but they don't really get the Oscar until they do some some kind of serious film with a French filmmaker, yeah. some artsy, terrible film. So I was I actually when he was talking about this, I was thinking about Eddie Murphy oh, poor Eddie Murphy. So I was thinking about how when Dreamgirls came out, that was the first time in years that anybody had talked about Eddie Murphy being a good actor. You know, it had been a real long time since anybody was complimenting Eddie Murphy on his acting skills. But Dream Girls, well, yeah, because he did all those silly, you know, terrible movies. He's not a bad actor. Mm -hmm. He just had he was taking all of these terrible scripts. 
Well, it's not even that he was taking terrible scripts. Like he was literally the one who was putting those movies together. He oh, was, was producing he? them. He was, yeah, like a lot of Eddie Murphy's worst movies are ones that he put together for himself, which just made it like yeah. I, I never, I never saw Dreamgirls, but anyways, go on. Yeah, so people were talking about Dreamgirls really positively. There was even like some chatter about maybe a nomination, and then norbit i think that's what it was called oh, or Norbert, no. something like that that movie started advertising right around the time that dream girls released and it made everybody go oh that's right this is why we don't give eddie murphy nice things that was not and very so, strategic of them right so norbit basically ruined eddie murphy's chances for even being considered for an oscar for that performance that everybody praised really highly and and so yeah, sometimes things like that do affect how the Academy thinks. And also, can we also mention here that they actually are like this is the Oscars. Like they didn't make up some like weird fake name for it like they did for the Grammys. They're like, no, this is the Oscars and, and this is the Academy Awards or whatever, which I find really interesting. But yeah, so like this conversation is actually full of things that I was like, Oh, these there are parallels to this yeah. in real life, actually. Sure. Except for Flint Westwood. Flint and Westwood. Sigourney Reaver. This is, mm, Look, this is like the second time that Flint Westwood has shown up on Jim the Holograms. So I am here for it. And I and I said to the guy, make my day. Yeah. It was super, <laughs> super subtle. Yeah. After feeling insulted by Jim's refusal, Francois is interviewed by several reporters that question whether there's any truth to the rumor that he asked Jim to star in his movie. Because he needs a celebrity to boost his box office numbers. And of course, Francois denies everything. Now, there were only a couple seconds between the point where Jem turns him down and then suddenly he's being interviewed and these reporters are like, we heard these rumors, like this just happened. Well, I think actually what was supposed to be going on there is that he invited those reporters to his party so that he could announce that Jem was going to be in his movie. And when she turned him down, the reporters were still there and they had heard some rumors, quote unquote, and his plans did not work out the way he thought they would. So then he had to make up a story. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Are, are we going to talk about how party, but there are still a couple of women like in the pool doing laps and one is on like a floaty, like one of those floaty pool things. So there are all these people in this this fancy like evening gowns and suits. And then we have people like just literally swimming in the pool. And then when 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 Francois is done talking with Jem, like she goes and finds Kimber. And they're really unconcerned about it as well. Like Sean has a suit on and he is in that hot tub and she's in this, in a horrible, ridiculously giant dress. And they're just like, we just got in here because of reasons. Hey, we're enjoying ourselves. I can learn to live this lifestyle. I'm like, Kimber, first of all, y'all have a pool in the backyard. You get in that pool with all your clothes on. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, it's just... <laughs> it was just so It's a kid's show. They can't show Kimber and Sean naked in the hot tub. <laughs> but I mean, but like, they could have brought swimsuits. I right, don't know. They, they could have had a throwaway line like, oh, look, the hot tub's open. I'm going to change into my swimming yeah, suit. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe that lady doing the laps was like, look, just stay out of the pool, okay? This is the only time I ever get to do laps. Francois knows this. Like, that's his long-suffering wife. She's well, like, look, it's not the... It's not like this is the first time that anyone has jumped into a pool with their clothes on. I mean, have either of you seen the Dark Knight movies? I mean, in Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne jumps into the uh, that water fountain with the with the two models wearing his tuxedo. I mean, so it happens, right? the the rich The rich and famous are a eclectic and quirky bunch. Water, huh? They're waterproof. <laughs> They're like, waterproof, right? That, 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 can you imagine how heavy that dress would be after being like soaked in this water for so long? And it, yeah, it just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a bad idea. Bit. It's a bad idea. I don't idea. know. It's my favorite thing about this episode was just like that nonchalant, like drinking a martini or champagne or whatever it was in this evening gown. It was just, it's bad. It was it's bad. It was glorious. <laughs> I would not have jumped in that pool with a tuxedo on. Yeah. It's terrible because when you get out, I mean, first of all, it's one thing to like jump in the pool. If you do that in, in a private setting, it's fine. But you're like at this party with all these celebrities and famous people, you know, as a guy, you get out of the pool wearing your, your wet tux and everything is, the, your your pants are glued to your body and there are certain appendages that are emphasized as your <laughs> pan, your wet soaking pants are glued to you so what you're saying is, is that when sean got up out of that that hot tub everybody could just see his uh his little sean and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were like kimber's a lucky woman he's a lucky little woman. sean <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god episode. i love it <laughs> oh my but okay but it's like i don't know a couple of hours later maybe and they're in the car and they're completely dry like yeah yeah i noticed that too well they must have had uh special outfits like in back to the future part two or just like pull be. a cord and then or it's instantly dry dry well, maybe it was the red hot heat of Rio's anger <laughs> that dried their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a little passage of dialogue here. I just I just wanted to read here because ugh, it's it's an exchange between Francois and Rio. And to the reporters, he says, As you know, I don't cater to the whims of the American public. Perhaps Jim's own publicity machine started that rumor. And then Rio grabs him and says, I hate liars and I hate deception. So you can Uh imagine what I think of you. And he throws him into the pool. And I just never miss a chance to have him say that thing about liars and deception. I know. I know. But. Francois's line at the end is so hilarious. You can't truffle with me. I am artist reincarnate. <laughs> what did that even mean? I don't uh... I, I don't know what that means. I have no idea. Uh, well he's throwing people into pools again. He, th- he threatens Jem. He says, I'm gonna ruin your career. So we'll see what he manages to Whatever, pull sir. off here. Could have been an empty threat. Could have been an empty threat. He's French. 
you can't do anything. Yeah. Kimber and Sean leave the party together. Kimber asks Sean if there's any chance that Francois could really hurt Jem's career and chance to win an Oscar. Sean doesn't have any answers and tries to cheer Kimber up by taking her to a secluded spot with a spectacular view of Hollywood. Kimber questions if it was a good idea for Jem to turn down Francois's film, and Sean tells Kimber that one must honor their commitments and hold on to everything that they cherish and she's like oh you're the best sean and then we get the a gem music video they get a video and i actually like this song didn't like hollywood gem but we get you already know i thought it was an okay song i like this song i like that it kind of um references like kind of the the sound and and feeling of songs from the 50s and 60s early 60s i guess um i i liked it a lot yeah so did I. I like this song too and i actually like a lot of things about the video because it's actually really cute watching timber and sean like run around and they go to the you know the fair and they're riding the carousel and they're playing yeah, games they're, they're adorable like together they are yeah. really adorable together the thing is though as i was watching this and, and listening to this song and thinking about the lyrics i was like okay there are some things. The first thing is, is that the entire song is about how you are just supposed to know that somebody loves you without them saying it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of bunko. And as specifically as it relates to Kimber and Sean, because part of the entire reason why so many things are messed up in terms of romance in this show is because people do not freaking communicate with each other. And yep. it's a problem. And Or so lie through like, a mission. Right. So I feel like even though I actually like this song as a song and I like the melody and I like singing it and the video is cute, the message is really kind of messed up. And it's kind of like emblematic of everything that is not okay about the way that Kimber approaches relationships, the way that Jerrica approaches relationships. It's, you know, I don't know if it was meant to be that way, like if you were supposed to read doubly into it, but that's how it comes off. I don't think uh, I don't think so. I think everything they show here is very clear and intentional, for better or for worse. So I mean, I think that I think this entire episode we can get more more into this at the end, uh, and and just as a rem- reminder, this is the first part of a two parter episode. But I I really do feel like a lot of the things that happen in this episode elements in the show that uh, all of us seem to have a problem with, which is that people don't communicate well. These are really poor examples of how to how to be in a good relationship with someone. And there's a lot of lying and deception going on. And it's just, it, it's very much a soap opera. But considering that this show was made for kids, I really feel like this is just a really bad example. Well, not only that, but we, we haven't quite got there yet, but I'll go ahead and talk about it now because the opportunity is here. Like, Kimber is really, really eager to get married. Like, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, it, let's let's actually talk about that because, yeah, in the, in the scene after the video, Sean tells Kimber that it's time to make more of a commitment to the relationship. And, and re- before he finishes, I'm thinking, oh, he's actually going to ask her to marry him but 
she actually assumes that and Sean quickly corrects her and says he just wants to see her exclusively but that he's not ready for marriage and it's obvious here that Kimber is very very disappointed right but then it's like why right like this person you haven't talked to in who knows how long that you've been on like they haven't specified Right. And this is your, what, second or third date, maybe. And like, you don't even know him. You don't know that. It's completely absurd. Like, I I can see maybe like a 12 or 13 year old girl, like thinking that, but like an 18 year old girl, like expecting that this guy that she hasn't really seen all that much to propose. Like, it. I don't know. It's it's not believable to me. Am I wrong? Well, it... I didn't find it unbelievable. I think that it it's just one of those things that really showcases how immature Kimber is in the end. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, she has spent some time with this dude since she met him. But let's consider the fact that Sean was in town filming a movie and he did not call her. Okay. Right. And she had no idea. She had no idea he was even in town in this movie and only found out because Jim McGuire asked me in this movie. And so, yeah, I, I think it, this is meant to show. Kimber's immaturity, but I also kind of felt like like shaking my fist at the patriarchal nonsense that, that sort of goes along with this idea that because Kimber is an immature young woman, of course she just wants to get married, like at the drop of a hat to to anyone who maybe might have been asking that she likes. And and I was just like, uh yeah. Come on, guys. Uh Sean drops Kimber off at home, and we see Kimber arriving late at around 3 o'clock in the morning. Jerrica is upset with Kimber's arrival, but Kimber is crying and is too upset to argue and ends up running upstairs. Jerrica is the worst. She is! She, uh, she seems to think, like, she's trying to be her mom, but she's not doing a good job of it. Well, and also, why, is she, why does she care? Right. Kimber is an adult. I mean, for better or for worse, she's an adult. Right, like, why is she worried? Because, first of all, she knew that she went off with Sean. Why does she? Th- it's three in the morning. Well, what do you think that they were doing together? You know? Right, just, right, right. Come on. Come on. Silly. Jerrica. Jerrica's just the worst. She's the worst at everything. Yeah, and there's more of that. There's more of that later in this. On the set of Howard Sands' movie, they are about to begin shooting a dangerous scene involving Sean's stuntman. The stunt involves driving a car at 100 miles per hour towards a truck, swerving and passing underneath it to safety. Kimber and the rest of the holograms are watching from the sidelines. As the cameras roll, the stunt driver becomes distracted as he notices Kimber. After a near brush with death, the car crashes with the driver unharmed. The stunt car driver is Jeff, Kimber's ex-boyfriend. Oh no, my wait goodness. <laughs> She's not... He's not her ex-boyfriend. Well, she I wrote. Dude that I know, dating, I know. I, I wrote dating. ex, but they obviously have not been exclusive, and they haven't seen each other in quite some time. Right, but like the, he's just another one of her boyfriends. But so before we get to the drama, I just want to point out some technical things. Number one, what kind of stunt driver are you even that you're even looking at the people in the crowd 
right before you're about to pull off a dangerous stunt. That's number one. Number two, when Jeff was a stunt man in the last movie that Jem was in, the the dude that he was stunting for was another white dude with blonde hair. He's supposed to be Sean's stunt double. Why does he still have blonde hair? Why isn't he wearing a wig? Sean has dark hair. That's number two. Number three, I thought that Sean was a Max Headroom-like AI. Yeah. Why? What? Suddenly this movie became went from Max Headroom to Mad Max. And I don't know why. Once yep. again, we because have Howard Sands is a terrible director. He's he's he really he's is. like Ubol. <laughs> People it's keep true. giving him money to produce garbage. That's what it is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Anyway, now those are my technical concerns okay. uh, at this point. But but yeah, you know now there's drama. So yeah, there is go. there is drama. Rio rushes to check if the driver is okay, and Kimber is surprised to see Jeff. Sean approaches and clearly feels awkward in the situation and tells Kimber he'll see her later. Ugh, man. Jeff feels jealous, although as far as I'm concerned, he shouldn't, and tells Kimber she's leading on half the male population. That's completely unfair. You have not... You have not been dating each other exclusively. You haven't seen each other a while. Where do you get off saying that? This is why Jeff has never been my favorite. The men on this show are just so bad. They're just so bad. Yeah, no, it is. And and also, I will point out that Jeff also did not call Kimber. Right. To tell him, to tell her that he was in town. Also... Another technical note, he's like, well, who's the wimpy British guy? It's like, that's, first of all, that dude is famous. And second of all, you're his stunt double. How do you not know who that is? Right. What is wrong with everybody in this movie? They haven't read the script. They don't know who they're stunting for. They haven't dyed their hair. It's just, I can't. Yeah, it's it's very... Rio puts his hand on Kimber's shoulder, but Kimber tells him she supposes he's just going to tell her she got what she deserved. Rio tries to deny it, but Kimber says he was probably thinking it anyway. Rio tells Kimber it's probably best for everyone if she decided who she cares about the most. Kimber retorts with a fantastic comeback. She says, you mean the way you've decided between Jem and Jerrica? Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Kimber for that. I love yeah. her for that so hard. So hard. I just wish that she was like that with Jeff and Sean. Yes. Like, you know, they're, I mean, Jeff's being kind of abusive and she's just like, yes. oh my God, I'm the worst person ever. And then Rio, you know, says this and she's, she's, she's just on point. And I was like, why can't you be like this with, with these people who you right. kind of want to marry? Like, I, right. I don't, it's weird. Yeah. I like how I they actually cut right after that and did not give uh, Jeff a, a chance to <laughs> reply to that. That was great. Rio. Oh, sorry, Rio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love it because yeah, Rio, there's nothing that Rio could say to that. Like, Rio was too busy putting aloe on the burn. He was too busy putting aloe on that burn. Later, Kimber and Sean work on writing songs for the Howard Sands movie. 
Kimber apologizes to Sean for not telling him about Jeff, but was she obligated to? I don't think so. They neither Why? of the she neither the neither of them are mutually dating or sorry, exclusively dating each other. These two people, right? As was feel about you. Nobody has actually like really put their feelings out there. Like you know how they keep being like I like you, I like Sean. You. Yes. I like you, Kimber. I like you a lot. Like <sighs> Come on. Yeah. Come on. Like, can't be angry if all you're going to do is tell her that you like her and you care about her very much. You mm-hmm. just can't be angry about other dudes. Yeah, exa- exactly. I mean, he does accept the apology and says that it seems to think it wasn't a big deal, but he tells Kimber that he really likes her. You know who else told really? Kimber that they really like her? Because it's elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know who else said that to Kimber? Stormer said that to Kimber. Uh, and Kimber gave her a hickey for it, okay? Has she given Sean any hickeys? No. No, she is not. Yeah, why isn't she so therefore, marrying Kimber? Right, or sorry, like yeah, she, but marrying Stormer. Stormer. She and Stormer need to get together because both Sean and Jeff are punks. They're punks. And they, I'm telling you, Stormer has said more passionate love words to Kimber that we have seen than either of these two men. Oh, God. But remember the last time Jeff showed up, he punched a, a dude through a window and then yelled at Kimber. Oh, yeah. Said he yeah I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, this is the same dude that, like... He's bad resorted news. ...resorted to, like, horrible violence. He is abusive. That's... I mean, basically, I, I'm sure that that's not the way that he was intended to be portrayed by this, by this uh, writer... But Jeff is very abusive, just in the yep. way that he does everything that, you know, is coming up next. He needs to go to an anger management class because he gets furious way too quickly, way too easily. See, this is why he and Rio get along. Yeah, they should marry well, each other. I mean, all of the men, It. this is like the show. I've probably even said this before pretty much verbatim, but this is the show. If you want to learn about toxic masculinity in our culture, this is the show to watch. Like, yes. Like, cause Craig does this too. Right. Oh my God. Oh my God. This show really is just nothing but a primer on toxic masculinity. You're it is. so right. And it's just, it's just, and abusive relationships. Like Kimber is, is, is the I, I can't think of the word is the 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 an accurate representation of a person in an abusive relationship where it's like oh this is like all my fault and yeah i must be pretty awful and oh you know like like those constant chiseling that constant chiseling away of her self esteem because because the men in her life are always telling her how bad she is or how awful she is or how she did a thing wrong. And it's just, and, and she goes back to it because that's the cycle of abuse. I have opinions that I didn't realize until just now. Hey, but they ain't wrong. I have you to read wrong. the gem comics because obviously they've addressed a lot of this. And, and now yeah. in, in the comics, she has a relationship with, uh, Stormer, although I don't know what their relationship is and if it's any good, like, but if they get along that well, but, but uh, yeah, that's something you know I always wished that they they addressed in the show. Like I I wish that the series would have ended with her finding somebody where she you know who wasn't verbally abusive, who right, who let her have her own face. opinion, who wasn't yeah, like just it's kind of crappy. They all of these characters kind of have a tough ride. 
through the entire series. Yeah. M- maybe with the exception of Shayna and uh, I think Julian. Anthony is Anthony the Julian. only. Yeah, mm. Anthony's the only man who is not terrible. It's true because, yeah. like, even when Shayna is being, you know, like super unreasonable in that one episode where she like ran away or whatever, the entire time Anthony was like, "But baby, they care about you. But baby, you should you should think about this." Like he he has never on screen, you know, acted out in such a toxic way as all the other dudes in the show have done. He was a nice and, guy, and I think, but maybe because it was the 80s, they were perhaps unwilling or afraid to make a black character, like, abusive or a dick. Maybe. I mean, that's that's completely legit. You know, I, I know I've told this story before. Um, I can't remember if I've done so on this podcast, but probably. But I remember Christy Marks either in one of the Gem DVD commentaries or... Um, on the gem mailing list that I used to belong to. She talked about how when Hasbro said, okay, for you know this next season, we're going to add one new hologram and one new misfit. Um, and we're going to add more toys to the line. And she was like, oh, this is great. She's like, can the new misfit be black? And they were like, no, 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 no. She can't be black because the misfits are the bad guys. And she was like, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know that that is something even though it's 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 not exactly like quite you know the right amount of like sensitivity um but you could tell that that's that was something that they were being very conscious of um and they felt they have fallen down a lot on this show with the racial sensitivities but i think that like that is probably one thing that they were very particularly thinking about is like how the the black people on the show get portrayed how you know especially if they're going to be recurring characters like anthony is and so yeah it that probably is is the key to why anthony is so much less of this than all the rest of the dudes that we get to see, even though real like is technically a Brown person, but I don't, I think that he's sort of, is he of South American descent or something? I mean, Pacheco sounds Spanish or some, or Hispanic in some way. I forget what he particularly is because I know that I read it somewhere. Um, But, but Rio is technically a Brown person, but he, he gets thrown in with the white folk a lot. Let's just say. So my question, I guess, is at this point, so, and this is this is kind of straying away from the race relations thing back to um, specifically Kimber and, you know, the toxic masculinity cycles of abuse type thing. Does that happen? Because I don't remember 80s cartoons very well. I don't, I don't, I'm on record for saying I don't remember Jim and the Holograms. You know, that's part of why I wanted to do this rewatch with you two is so that I could, I could relive it and discuss it with somebody. Um, so I don't remember like any eighties cartoons really. So is this in here because it was a cartoon aimed at girls or are other eighties cartoons this bad about, I guess, relationships between men and women? I think the show is pretty unique because I don't remember any other cartoons that tried to do this level of detail with personal relationships because this show is very much like a soap opera i mean gi joe was not like this transformers was, um, was not like this uh oh gi joe was very soap opera when it wanted to be uh, well yeah but i have it didn't have a, i felt like it Netflix. didn't have as much substance as jim but well i'm going by memory maybe not in the 
in the personal relationship department completely, but there are lots of soap opera moments on G.I. Joe, especially around the women, actually. Like anytime the shipwreck was near Scarlet and Flint and Lady J had some kind of random nonsense going on. And then there was a whole thing with Destro and the Baroness. I mean, there's like, there was some stuff. But actually, in thinking about it, just thinking about that question, I do think that this was something that that happened in cartoons in the 80s and early 90s. Maybe not exactly in this way, but I'm thinking about, I don't know why this particular thing popped into my head, but Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Chippendale. Yeah. But remember how Chip and Dale used to fight over what's her butt? Gidget? Gadget. Oh, yeah. I forget what her name was. I just remember them being kind of creepy about it. Yeah, because like they were... were constantly fighting over her in these like really gross ways. And then another thing I'm thinking about actually is She-Ra, but in She-Ra there, the, I haven't rewatched all of She-Ra, but the stuff that I have rewatched, one of the things that now I'm thinking about is how the dudes on the show, even though they were kind of like, I'm going to be masculine to get She-Ra's attention because la la la, it wasn't, they weren't this bad. Like, I don't feel the same way about the the pirate guy that I feel about Rio. I don't feel the same way about, like, whatever Bo, I think his name was, who's in the resistance. Um, you know, he was kind of annoying, but he wasn't toxic in this same way. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like it, this, this kind of thing did come up in cartoons, and maybe it was um, mostly in cartoons aimed at girls, but I feel like Rescue Rangers was aimed at everybody. But that whole idea of like, you know, you have to fight over the girl and did it like all this stuff. And she just, mm, yeah, that poor mouse. She had to put up with a whole lot of crap from those. She did. I'd forgotten about that. A whole lot of crap. And she's so much smarter than that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She was. She was the star of the show as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, another terrible example, of course, they would never, this would never fly today. But uh, do you ever watch like that, you know, that character Pepe Le Pew? Yes. No, that character no did not understand what no means and knew no I boundaries. Like he was a rapist. Pretty he much. Was a rapist. Pretty much. And and I remember as a kid being like, I was I disgusted like he was a with it. It was like when you're little at first, you're just like, oh, it's cute. But then because you had like Looney Tunes would like play all the time and you would see the same things over and over again, and also how Pepe Le Pew cartoons never changed it was always the exact same story but just with different trappings and yeah i remember having a conversation with one of my parents once about that and and somebody saying that that pepe le pew was really a reflection of american attitudes about french people and and it all sort of like american attitudes about french people that came out of world war ii and like american dealings with french men during world war ii and so the attitude was is that french men were horrible lotharios who were always chasing after women and forcing themselves on them even when the women didn't want it according to the americans which uh so much wrapped up in all that let's get to the last video in this episode which is called too close by gem and the holograms what did you think of this song this is a repeat is it not yeah it is yeah. But this time it's about death. Yeah, in the context of what's happening in this episode, what did the two of you think of 
what's happening in the videos. Like, was it is it better? How does it compare to the original video? If you remember that, I don't even remember it. But I I don't remember it. I thought this episode only had two songs. I vaguely do remember um, what was going on, but and I sort of remember like the dancing around, but I can't remember what was going on in the original video. But in terms of this, so. It actually, it's one of those times where, where once again, like they brought in a, video, a song that we've heard before, but it really does match what's happening. And Jeff is just being a man child. Like, come on, dude. The girl that you like is dating another guy. Oh no, I guess I'm going to be super dangerous and leap off of buildings right? and drive cars into cliffs and whatever That's else right. he does. And he's just like, Jeff, stop it. You're such a baby. Like, he's yeah. such a baby. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, the song's okay. I still think that, for me, you already know, is the better song. It's actually the best song that this episode has to offer. Because there's nothing particularly wrong with, you know, you're getting too close. because it, But it's just one of those songs where it's like, we're explaining what's going on here. And even though I don't remember the original context, that's the context that we have right now is that, you know, we're getting too close. We're living in the danger zone. Jeff is an idiot. Kimber should throw a pie. In his that that should have been know, in something. the lyrics. Jeff is an idiot. You're getting too close, too close. You're living in the idiot zone. Oh, 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 too stupid for your own good. I like your version better. Howard pleads with Jeff to not jump from such a height. But Jeff does it anyway and lands safely. Kimber freaks out and yells at Jeff for attempting such a dangerous stunt and making her worry, saying he was too close to the explosions. Jeff is still mad with Kimber and pushes her away. She goes after hey, Jeff. Baby. <laughs> she goes after Jeff and enters his trailer asking why he's being so mean to her. By the way, did you notice, just as an aside, that he, I thought it was interesting how he's kind of being this abusive asshole, and as he goes into his trailer and she's like, why are you being so mean to me, he is drinking a beer. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's well, not labeled we beer, but it, it, was a it, it looks... I think we were supposed to think it was a soda. Maybe, maybe. But I just thought, movie. like, maybe this guy is, like, a bit of an alcoholic. Maybe, like, who knows what else is going on? Just like Rio, he needs those anger management glasses because he's throwing cans of soda or beer around or whatever. It's just, it's not okay. And maybe. Yeah. Jeff tells Kimber that he loves her and that it hurts to see her with Sean. Grow up. I, I added a comment here because I really feel like Jeff doesn't get to feel this way and it's completely unfair to Kimber. They were not dating ex exclusively and there's this undetermined amount of time where they had not even seen each other so and the last I don't get time it. he I saw really her, don't get it he told her to get out of his life mm -hmm. right there you go yeah he brought it upon himself i really don't like jeff i really don't he's like no Rio I, I don't he's not likable at all oh he's even worse i think at this point kimber's extremely confused and is unsure of what to do jeff out of nowhere, proposes to Kimber on the spot uh, and asks her to marry him, but she says she'll think about it. Now, notice he was clearly not 
prepared for this because had he truly wanted to marry her, he would have gone out, bought a ring, planned this whole thing to propose. But I get the feeling that the fact that he just says that on the spot, he's just being super emotional. He's not thinking about it clearly and he's letting his jealousy get the best of him. I mean, proposals don't have to be like that, but I definitely agree. I definitely agree with you that he's like being very reactionary and again, manipulative. Yeah. And super immature, you know, kind of in the same way that Kimber is being immature. Yep. And what I really found very interesting about the animation is that, you know, at the point where he says that he wants to marry her, Kimber has her back turned to him, but she's facing the camera and she gets this look of wild happiness on her face. It's one of the times where I'm like, the animators actually were paying attention here. Like this must be the A team because yeah. yeah, So cause she got this look of wild, wild happiness. And, and it goes along with what was going on earlier in the episode where she was like all ready to get married to Sean on the slightest hint that he might maybe be asking her to marry him. So I found that interesting about her whole reaction. At Starlight Mansion, Kimber walks into Jerrica's bedroom and asks to speak with her for a moment. Jerrica is seen practicing her lines for the movie, which is kind of hilarious. Kimber tells her sister that Jeff proposed to her, but Jerrica tells her that she turned him down, right? Jerrica tells Kimber that she's too young and that she has her whole life ahead of her I just oh this makes me so mad of course Kimber is you know she gets defensive she's like no I didn't turn just turn him down like that okay and I don't understand how Jerrica cannot <sighs> understand her sister at all at this point in no, their lives I know. together because that was that was number one the thing to say to Kimber to make her go and decide to get married was that because you know any other way she could have been like well what did you say to him? First of all, like just because Kimber walked in and said, Jeff asked me to marry him. And she didn't say, she didn't walk in and say, Jeff and I are engaged. So that should have been your first clue that maybe Kimber hasn't given him an answer yet, or she said no or whatever, but you let her say that to you as if you forcing your stupid opinions on her. Jerrica is the worst person. (laughs) She really is. Aside from Jeff. Kimber is angered and feels like Jerrica is a bit of a hypocrite and that maybe she will marry Jeff anyway just so she can finally get out from under her sister's thumb. I don't blame her for feeling that way. Really don't. Me neither. And we cut to a quick scene here where Sean ends up shopping for an engagement ring for Kimber. I guess he's getting pretty serious here. God, Sean, stop being Yeah. Yeah. Also, did you notice that ring that he bought her could definitely double as a weapon? That's what I told Justin when we were watching. I was like, that could kill a man. Like, that could slice through an artery easy. Right? Like, that diamond was long and pointy. Yeah. And I was like, is he buying her a ring to defend herself? There's a good reason for that. He's Before he gives the ring to Kimber, he's first going to put it on wear it himself and then he's going to stab jeff in the face yeah i mean that would have been a perfectly acceptable you know use of that ring surely (laughs) i mean acceptable is maybe a little generous but yeah i hey all right 
for the people out there listening, all of my fans, I just want you to know that if you ever want me to marry you, giving me a pointy, dangerous diamond ring bathed in the blood of my enemies <laughs> or yours is a really good way to get me to say yes to any proposal of marriage that you bring to the table. Just Tell so us- you know. Are you part Klingon? Like, is this a, a thing that I'm learning about you right now? I might be. A, a I ring might be a little bit. in the blood of your enemies? You know. Okay. It's, okay. It's like in Harry Potter, sometimes, you know, uh, objects <laughs> imbue the, right? the strengths of the things that they're bathed in, like the sword in Gryffindor was imbued mm-hmm. with the strength of the basilisk venom and blood that it was bathed in when Harry stabbed it. Right. Um, and then it was able to get rid of Voldemort's Horcruxes. So give me a ring that can <laughs> get rid of Voldemort's Horcruxes and, and I'm yours. Uh... Suddenly Tempest is going to get a thousand <laughs> messages on Snapchat of like m- men proposing with bloody diamond rings. I'm here for it. The following day on the set of Howard Sands' movie, Sean approaches Kimber and tells her he has something very important to talk to her about. Sean is interrupted when Jeff sweeps Kimber off her feet by swinging on a rope like Tarzan, which is just so silly. I hate Jeff. And Jeff mm-hmm. proposes to Kimber again, and Kimber finally accepts. Sean congratulates Kimber and pretends like nothing is wrong. And clearly, he wasn't ready for marriage anyway. Sean goes back to his trailer, and we wrap this uh, episode here on a bit of a cliffhanger, because he tosses the wedding ring he bought into the garbage and wait, just Wait, wait, looks- Alex, wait, stop. We have to set this up correctly. We did not set this up correctly, because this is one of the best scenes in the entirety of Gem and the Holograms, okay? So... Hold up. So right before, right before, Sean is like, hey, Kimber, can I talk to you for a minute? Jem begins filming a scene. And what's really messed mm-hmm. up is that they're all on the same soundstage and they're like, quiet, everybody. And then Sean's like, hey, Kimber. And I'm like, God damn it, dude. Like, be quiet. They're filming a scene, but whatever. So then the director actually says to Jem, <laughs> this is so hilarious. He says to Jem, okay, Jem. This is your big scene of sorrow and anger. <laughs> You're like, what? And so Jem is like, he's in that jail. How could you have? Like, this is the scene that she was rehearsing. How could you? You took him. You took him. And then we sort of fade away to like this whole Sean and Jeff and Kimber thing. And also, I also want to note that after Kimber has said like, yes to Jeff's proposal, he leaps off of this high plinth thingy whatever just leaps into midair and happens to catch the rope and swing her arm like you almost died you jerk and you almost took kimber with you and you would have been buried together here lies jeff and kimber stupid that would have looked <laughs> been on the grave but at any rate so then you know she goes back to sean and she's like oh i'm sorry like jeff took me away from you whatever um i said yes and i hope you're not mad he's like no no like i said i'm not ready to to settle down. So then Sean walks away while Jim is like, you killed him! You killed him! <laughs> like, she is playing the scene. Like, this is why she was nominated for an Academy Award, because Jim is literally like, you right. killed him! And they're like, no, ma'am. He is not dead. And while this dialogue is happening, where they're like, he's not dead, Sean goes into his trailer, and he's so sad. 
and he takes out the ring box and he throws it away while Jem is saying, his heart may still be beating, but you've broken his spirit. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. Wow. <laughs> For like 10 minutes, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> because like, you know, obviously the words that Jem is saying from this horrendous Mad Max headroom sci-fi epic <laughs> are like meant to you know have double meaning because the camera is on sean his heart might still be beating but his spirit is dead i lost my my entire shit <laughs> listening just watching the end of this episode it is the best scene in the history of gem and the holograms it's yeah it's pretty incredible <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what Howard was thinking with this movie, but it, it looks like it's going to be a real stinker. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. We are at the end of this episode. I'm going to have to wait till next week to find out what happens in the conclusion. Right, to be continued. Will Kimber get married to Jeff? Or will Sean get over his still beating heartbroken spirit self and <laughs> swing around on a Tarzan vine and take her away? Ooh. And will Jem win the Academy Award despite the fact that some French director is mad at her? And will Rio once again reassert that he is the worst man in this series? Like, because he was actually kind of okay for this episode, but... That's true. He was not... The worst of all these exemplary human beings. His spirit is dead. What did what did the uh, thought police say in response to that? I can't remember. They said something really hilarious. I don't. I don't think they said anything in response for that. Because they were like, "His heart's still beating, ma'am." <laughs> oh, the thought police. I was right. Also, I just once again, I, I don't understand this movie because he was Max Headroom and I guess maybe he's not. And so, like, how did they, yeah, how did they beat up Max Headroom? I don't, is he supposed to be a computer? I did, yeah, wow. Howard Sands, you must quit. You must quit and do something else with your life, anyways. I'm Alex Knight here with Aline Sims as always, and you can follow Aline on Twitter at A-L-E-E-N and check out and subscribe to her podcast called Less Than or Equal, and you can go to relay.fm forward slash L-T-O-E to see the entire backlog of episodes or subscribe in iTunes or whatever podcast player you prefer to use. And, uh, oh, and Aline's writing is on AleneMean.com. And Kate Tempest Bradford, KateTempestBradford.com, single best place to access all of the stuff that she does, including her writing and links to her YouTube page and her relatively new podcast called The Right Gear, which is another podcast on our network which is abused to write, be it pens or notebooks or other technology-related gear that helps them get their work done. She also interviews 
other, uh, well, mostly unknown authors, at least to me anyways. I'm not they like I read totally a lot anyway, so what do people. I know? What do I know? Oh my God, Alex. I don't read them. You, I read, I read, read one book every five years. Ne so. Nebula Award nominated authors. Yeah. Yeah. Alex isn't reading okay. the Nebula Awards. <laughs> nope. You can find Tempest on Twitter at Tiny Tempest. And as far as this show is concerned, you can find us on Twitter as well under Gem Podcast. We're on Twitter under Gem Podcast as well. Hologram Radio shows on Instagram. And of course, you can check out the rest of our uh, podcasts at our website. If you'd like to show your support for this podcast and the network at whole, the single best way you can do that is by going to patreon.com forward slash hologram radio and become a regular donator with all the other lovely people who have chosen to do so. It is the best way to help us keep this podcast free and do what we do best here. You can also subscribe and rate the show in iTunes, which we would sincerely appreciate. And speaking of that, we will give you a personal shout out on this show if you do that. And we actually have a recent review here on iTunes that I would like to read and the subject line is hilarious and eye-opening. This podcast is hilarious. I find myself laughing with every episode. Check out the last one, Brit Rock, and wait for Tempest and her Kimber biting comment. And I also find myself agreeing with the crew about Jem's plot holes and charming randomness. Keep it up, Jem cast. That was written by my precious 07 from the USA on June 13th. Thank you very much for that incredibly flattering comment. And then if you'd like to send feedback to either of us, you can send us an email the old-fashioned way at .org. And until next week, where we conclude the Hollywood Gem series shows over synergy <laughs> <laughs>